Is there anything Bill Gates won't try to gain more power and influence for his puppet masters, the elite? And is the Ukraine and Russia war just a war of convenience? If you want my humble opinion on such matters, then stay tuned in and welcome to another podcast. So Bill Gates is planning for the next pandemic and this simulation it isn't called event 202 to follow on from event 201. It's called catastrophic contagion. They even made it sound like a horror film this time for all you out there that fell for the fear campaign on COVID-19, which was most people to be fair, until the so-called conspiracy theorists started questioning things that just didn't seem to add up. Now we're in a place where many people are dying because they followed the science, the political science of our corrupt governments. Well, conspiracy facts are now where we're at once again. If only more people had listened. So Bill Gates, he does seem to have a crystal ball on this subject and an unsettling accuracy in predicting future pandemics. A crystal ball that leads millions of people around the world seeking truth to ask the question. When did Bill Gates and friends become the modern day Nostradamus? You'll remember events 201, a simulation performed by the Johns Hopkins University, along with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and Financial Friends, to prepare the world and guide its actions through a world pandemic a pandemic of a coronavirus eerily similar to the one that came only three months after said simulation. The same people held a similar one on monkeypox a year later, and now they seem to be predicting another one in catastrophic contagion. Is there any wonder that a percentage of the world's population in which the hypnotic psyop of fear didn't work called the so-called COVID threat a plandemic? During this catastrophic contagion, this fictional scenario, it supposedly attacks the young and healthy, the percentage of the population that is the healthiest and has the strongest immune systems, the strongest immune systems amongst us all. Or is all this just to get the young to take the vaccine? In my humble opinion, if you have an immune system that works, You don't need a vaccine, especially to stop you getting a cold and especially a vaccine that's actually gene therapy masquerading as a vaccine with new mRNA technology, which doesn't seem to work. People are dropping like flies all around the world and it all started days after the COVID-19 vaccine rollout. Simple as that. Every country in the world is reporting record highs of total mortality death rates from all sorts of illnesses, from strokes and heart attacks and myocarditis, for instance. But nothing to see here, people. 
nothing to see here. These vaccines, we were told, were safe and effective. Well, we know there are not, <clears throat> uh, sorry, we know they are not safe and they are not effective. As far as his own data shows, they were 12% effective for one week only and dropping to 1% effective after week one. But remember when advertising these highly profitable gene therapies, they gave the public the relative risk reduction data, which is just a guess and not the absolute risk reduction figures, which was extremely low, as low as 8% effective and for one week only. So now we can only wait and see if Bill Gates and co are right or just using scare tactics to sell vaccines to the world. It becomes more frightening when you read up about the Gates family, what they were and what they represented. They were eugenicists and they represented world population control. This isn't where Bill Gates' ideas cease. He has endless finger, fingers in endless pies, claiming to want to help the world out of catastrophe. But these events seem to be created by his own hand, along with his partners in crime. Reading the Insider newspaper, Bill Gates responds to scepticism about him owning 275,000 acres of farmland. And he says there isn't some grand scheme involved, you know. Well, we don't believe you, Bill. True, the farm stuff is just a minor scheme that Bill has on the side of all the other grand schemes he's running, such as global pandemic exercises and vaccine pushing programs like Gavi, genetic engineering of humans and crops, and overhauling the entire energy industry. A global carbon capture venture, convincing Western nations switching to his synthetic beef, he wants to block out the sunlight by spraying molecules into the upper atmosphere to fix climate change, just to name a few. We can only watch and wait to see what happens next in Bill Gates' mad, mad world. So what else has been happening around the world? Well, Jacinda Ardern of New Zealand, she's quit. Shame. She was probably the most one of the most totalitarian leaders of a country during the COVID uh, lockdowns and so forth. Well, one of the factors that turned a lot of Kiwis against Jacinda Ardern was her authoritarian vaccine policy. Many New Zealanders were surprised by what they saw as her willingness to pit the vaccinated against the unvaccinated. Before she quit, she had a choice. She could stay and crash land her Labour Party to a less damaging defeat or leave them with no clear successor and hand the Conservative opposition a likely landslide, which is pretty much what's happened. But unfortunately for New Zealand, their new Prime Minister seems to be even worse than the last one. Unfortunately, New Zealand have been left with this 
I think early next year we'll be in the phase of chasing up people who haven't come forward to get their vaccination or have missed their bookings and so on. So uh, everyone will be able to get a vaccine between now and the end of the year. Uh, but of course, you know, and, and I want every New Zealander to come forward, but human behaviour suggests that there will be some people that we have to actually really go out and look for, uh, and, and some of that may spill into next year. But our commitment is everyone will have the opportunity to get the vaccine by the end of the year. Uh, everyone will, uh, but I, I can't say that, you know, that we're not going to have some hesitant people or some people who just haven't come forward that we don't have to go out and find next year. So New Zealanders, there's your next guy in charge. And if any of you are unvaccinated, he's coming for you. Let's hope for the sake of New Zealand that that Prime Minister doesn't last too long. Right, over to America. And this is news from the FDA in America. Lieutenant Colonel Teresa Long, and I have been invited here today to testify to the truth before the legislators of Idaho. The information I'm presenting is made as a protected communication under Title 10 USC 1034 as a whistleblower. My opinions are my own and do not reflect that of the United States Army, the DOD, or any entity thereof. Insurance companies figure that if there was something catastrophic that happened to the United States, they would see a 10% increase in all-cause morbidity and mortality. 10%, just like an unprecedented, catastrophic, you know, natural event or something that happened in the United States. U.S. life insurance companies have reported an overwhelming and unexplainable increase in all-cause deaths among 18 to 49-year-olds. 40% is, no one's even, no one's even calculated that i mean that that's never been uh factored into what things would look like it's apocalyptic in my 15 years as a doctor taking care of soldiers i have never seen this litany of debilitating and potentially deadly medical conditions in soldiers these conditions included Strokes, transit ischemic attacks, pericarditis, myocarditis, erratic heart rates, arrhythmias, rapid onset and progression of various cancers to include testicular cancer, esophageal cancer, brain tumors, neuroendocrine tumors, spinal tumors, thyroid dysfunction, multiple sclerosis, cognitive impairment, persistent severe insomnia, suppression of the immune system, unprovoked blood clots in the splenic and portal vein, avascular necrosis, liver dysfunction, menstrual irregularities, and miscarriages. Well, I think if you look at the 5.3.6 post-marketing analysis report, the 1,291 adverse events, I don't think those came as diagnostic tests. I think they came as confirmatory tests. You ordered a product, you wanted the product to kill people, Hey, stockholders, we got exactly what you ordered. Remember, people, this is the information that the FDA wanted hidden from the public for 75 years. And now, you beautiful people, onto the second subject I wanted to talk about today, which was, is the Ukraine-Russia war just a war of convenience? So the war in Ukraine is far from convenience for those actually suffering it is part of an ongoing disaster both for the people who live in ukraine 
in its current borders and those who reside in the new Russian republics of um, Donetsk and Lugansk, etc. An end to the war can only be achieved through ceasefire and peace negotiations. So let's hope someone with sufficient influence can muster the will to start this process. The Ukraine war has also accelerated the transfer of global power that began decades earlier and sped up during the pandemic, or plandemic as we like to call it. The Western sanctions imposed upon Russia in response to war have predictably backfired disastrously. It almost seems as though their purpose is to degrade the global economy and Western economies in particular. Energy flows have been redirected and it is Eurasia and the Orient that is benefiting from comparatively cheap oil, gas and coal. The West is enforcing inflation-caused price austerity upon its population in order to pay in the immediate and short term for more expensive commodities such as liquefied natural gas from countries like Qatar and the US. A clearer distinction between European and American power is emerging. Old rivalries supposedly long buried by the Anglo-American establishment have now re-emerged as European power casts an increasingly sceptical eye towards its American political and corporate partners. This, in turn, is propelling an economic realignment that raises the distinct prospects of financial collapse. As noted by the World Bank, high inflation and low growth suggest that the pain of stagflation could persist for several years. In its 2022 Global Growth Prospects report, the World Bank listed the numerous ways in which the sanctions and the COVID lockdowns have destroyed global economic activity. Yet, apparently in complete denial of everything it said within its own report, it bizarrely declared Russia's invasion of Ukraine and its efforts on commodity markets, supply chains, inflation and financial conditions have steepened the slowdown in global growth. Now, much like the, the bullshit pandemic that immediately preceded it, Russia's war in Ukraine has actually not, signified in, uh, not significantly impacted the global economy. The economic, financial, monetary and trade difficulties which the world now faces have been fuelled almost entirely by monetary and political decisions primarily in the form of an unimaginable expansion of the money supply, quantitative easing being the tool, the financial tool used by the elite to just print money, <laughs> however much money they want, regardless of the consequences, and the sanctions policy response to Russia's war in Ukraine. COVID-19 didn't cause the precursor shutdown of global supply chains either, and it was the selected policy response to COVID-19 that was responsible. We should really ask what purpose these so-called global leaders are supposed to serve. Apparently, everything is beyond their control. Their hands are tied and they simply have to make the situation far worse than it would otherwise have been. Assuming they are not all idiots, we might wonder if there is not, in fact, some 
ulterior motive behind their policy decisions? Growth in China has slowed but is still projected to achieve 5.2% in 2023. The reduced rate of Chinese GDP growth is overwhelming due to China's zero COVID lockdown policy. If we suspect the Western political class are an, um, an agreement-incapable lunatic fringe, hell-bent upon economic destruction and population control, there is no reason at all to believe the Chinese princelings aren't either. It now appears that China's COVID policy regime may be softening slightly. As a result, global financial markets have seen an uptick. It seems an inquisitive economic control system has been placed in the hands of President Xi's administration. Domestic policy in China, not the US, now dictates global market fluctuations. As such, this represents a true global rebalancing of power. Chinese and Southeastern Asian growth estimates stand in stark contrast to practically zero growth in Europe's Hitherto powerhouse, Germany. It is a situation mirrored in the UK, France and elsewhere in Europe. Flagging economy activity in the US also continues, despite increasing American LNG and oil sales to China. Meanwhile in Russia, the supposed target of Western collective punishment, now that the country has weathered the initial impacts of the sanctions, something nothing short of a reallocation of global trade, energy and financial flows, is assisting national economic recovery. The sanctions have also delivered some of Russia's and China's key long-term monetary policy objectives. They and other BRICS emerging economies, Brazil, India and South Africa, for instance, have been trying to de-dollarise their economies for more than a decade. The sanctions are delivering just what they have always wanted. In return, it appears the war has resurrected NATO from complete irrelevance. It has also reinvigorated the EU's push towards military unification, designated as Permanent Structured Cooperation, the uh, the PESCF. This raises the prospect of a three-power world, a tripolar geopolitics with a balanced distribution of military power between the three continental blocs. One of the warnings precisely given by Klaus Schwab and Thierry Malaret in The Great Reset was the potential collapse of the dollar as the primary global reserve currency. Ultimately, the the possible end of the US dollar's primacy will depend on what happens in the US. As Henry Paulson, a former US Treasury Secretary says, US dollar prominence begins at home. The United States must maintain an an economy that inspires global credibility and confidence. Failure to do so will, over time, put the US dollar's position in peril. No shit, Sherlock. Yet statements from the head of the Federal Reserve, Jerome Powell, who openly declared that the US federal budget is on an unsustainable path. 
and others' comments, such as those of the US Secretary of the Treasury, Janet Yellen, have repeatedly cast doubt upon the credibility of the US economy and the dollar as a reserve currency. Yellen even resorted to raising the debt ceiling to avoid a US default on its debt obligations back in 2021. In the face of numerous similar crises in the past, the US financial oligarchy managed to cover them up with a plum. For example, the scale of the savings and loans crisis in the US in the 1980s, which threatened a global economic and financial collapse. We almost completely hidden that from the public. While the mainstream media reported on it to a limited extent, the level of financial and economic risk that, w- that the world faced at that time was barely acknowledged and most carried on blissfully unaware. Now, however, not only have the leading voices of the US financial system suddenly opted for unusual candor, they have apparently done everything they can to make the current predicament worse. The sanctions against the Russian Federation quite obviously erode international trust in the United States as the issuer of of a dependable reserve currency. In the Great Reset, Schwab and Malaret noted how such incautious unilateral decisions would undermine the dollar. US global credibility also depends on geopolitics and the appeal of its social model. They said, the exorbitant privilege is intricately intertwined with global power. The perception of the US as a reliable partner and its role in the working of multilateral institutions, if that role were seen as less sure than, uh, and that security guarantee as less ironclad, the security premium enjoyed by the US dollar could diminish. And that quote was attributed to Barry Einstein Green, I think his name was. The US administration presumably no longer wishes to enjoy its exorbitant privilege. It appears determined to give a leg up to a new global reserve uh, currency system. By seizing $630 billion of Russia's foreign current reserves, it signalled to the rest of the world that its own dollar was no longer a stable reserve currency. Putin correctly observed that everybody knows that the financial reserves can simply be stolen. This provided a massive American boost to Russia and Chinese-led initiatives aimed at creating an alternative global reserve that benefits their economies, much as the dollar reserve system has benefited the US. The big question is, are we looking at a new world power Or are we simply seeing the world being split into two? And no matter which one you support, both parties will run their kingdoms exactly the same way. Klaus Schwab is pushing the West to follow the World Economic Forum's Great Reset with CBDCs and vaccine digital IDs. And if you look at the opposing side, can we see them doing exactly the same? I think so. Anyway, that's it for today, folks. So thanks for listening. And until next time, toodaloo. A quick thank you for all the nice messages I've received and the constructive criticism. All welcome. Thank you very much. 
I know the sound quality isn't always great, so I have bought a new microphone, the Blue Yeti, which was expensive and one of the best on the market. So this is the first time I've been using it. So in time, I will get the levels right and the sound quality should improve the more I use it. So keep the messages coming. Thank you very much, everyone. Toodaloo.